In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's officially here. The first mock draft, virtual mock draft from the Paul Brown Podcast. I'm here with Ian Wright, Wright, Wright. And we are Mock Draft 1.0 Virtual. Ian, how excited are you about this? You know, with the quarantine life comes a lot of time sitting around, going over different teams, different options. So it's exciting. Uh, You know, as we mentioned with Connor earlier this week, all this extra time on our hands, we're able to sit down, give people a little preview about how the actual NFL draft, which I believe is 17 days away. uh, Is that right? 17, 16, somewhere in there. Um, so we're going to see something new. We're going to see a virtual NFL draft. So we're going to do a little bit of a virtual mock draft. And I would like to announce the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. You've got a minute, Ian. Tell us, who are they going to pick and why? Well, I think the Bengals, you know, are one of the easier selections in the draft. As we know, Mike Brown, the owner of the Bengals, also uh, Moonlights is the GM. So... Right now, I think Joe Burrow is about a minus 6,000 to go number one overall. So I think the Bengals have the easiest choice in the draft. They'll be adding Joe Burrow, the quarterback from Louisiana State. Um, After Andy Dalton gets released or whenever that happens, Ryan Finley, the backup, is just not going to cut it. So I think Mike Brown's going to have a very easy uh, virtual dial-in to get the pick in. Joe Burrow, quarterback. Do you think he's going to hold out to the – Ninth minute to make the uh, pick, or is it going quite early and just do it? You know, that, that's always a good, fun thing to see if the GMs are going to hold off like the Browns when they did it with Miles Garrett. Um, it's just one of those things where maybe they're trying to iron out the bugs, but I would think that the pick will be in pretty quickly. Um, I still don't even think that if, uh, you know, Miami or Sandy or L.A. or whoever it is offers them the King's Ransom, I still don't think the Bengals are going up this pick. I think Joe Burrow is coming to the AFC North. And now on the clock, Miami ah. Dolphins. There's a trade. We have a trade. Um, this is one of those picks where, you know, a lot of people may know that Ron Rivera has taken over in Washington. He has made a number of signings, um, both on the defense and offensive side of the ball. He's brought in Ronald Darby. He's brought in Sean Davis, Thomas Davis, Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Kendall Fuller, he's remaking a defense. And yes, every team would want Chase Young. It's, there's no doubt about it. He's from the area. He's a Dabatha kid. This would be considered an easy pick. However, they don't need necessarily Chase Young. They have Montez Sweat. They have Ryan Anderson. They have Ryan Kerrigan. You know, they have a lot of capital invested in their front line. You know, add in Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, Jonathan Allen. They got a ton of guys on that defensive line. And right now, you know, they just have a lot of those guys on rookie deals, which is nice. So I think Miami gets it done. Tua's healthy. The Tennessee Titans doctor has now cleared him. His hip is good to go. I just think with that extra draft capital they picked up, the Miami Dolphins will be trading up 
with the Washington Redskins, giving up the number 18 pick and doing a swap of picks later in the draft to pick quarterback Tua Tagliavola. It's just something that they need. Miami's gone out and done a lot of work to try to rebuild their team. Um, they've brought in a lot of good free agents. You know, they're trying to win now. They've got a young wide receiver in Devontae Parker. It's just one of those things where I think Miami's going to need it. They're going with two. But they, they've got Fitzpatrick and Joss Rosen, you know. Yeah, and as much as I love Fitzmagic, I just, I just don't see him being a long-term answer. He's been on a number of different teams. Two is a young, ex, you know, exciting playmaker. I think he would really bring some energy down in South Florida. Excellent. And if I'm correct, the Detroit Lions are now on the clock. Yeah, and I think that the Detroit Lions would be – very much in favor of this scenario playing out in front of them. I think Bob Quinn, the general manager of the Lions, would have a smile from ear to ear if uh, the gentleman that I am selecting the Detroit Lions to take, and that is a Mr. Chase Young from my, my alma mater, the Ohio State University. I do think that if Chase Young does go second overall, that the Lions could look to trade out. One of their big needs is cornerback. And there's a lot of depth this year in cornerbacks. Yes, a guy like Jeff Okuda would be fantastic for Detroit. I just think that they could look to really kind of capitalize on the, um, the ability to give up that quarterback if Chase Young does go number two. But in this scenario, I still think Miami is going to come up to number two, which leaves Chase Young for the Detroit Lions at number three. Um, and I think Matt Patricia is happy as a pig in the mud because he gets Chase Young on turf for eight games out of the year. This would be a dream scenario for Detroit. Chase Young, defensive end, Ohio State University. New York Giants are on the clock. Yes, the New York Giants. Dave Gettleman. You know, one of the things that people always talk about is that Dave Gettleman is a very, you know, safe, play it easy, you know, close to the vest kind of guy. And I think when you look at the Giants right now, you look at a scenario where you know, they've ushered in the Daniel Jones era. They went out and they got Kyler Fackrell. They went out and got Blake Martinez to try to re-up that linebacker core. You know, on the offensive side of the ball, though, they only brought in Cam Fleming, who is kind of a journeyman offensive tackle. Um, they also brought in Deion Lewis, the running back, to try to add, give a little bit different of an element to Saquon Barkley's game. So right now, Nate Sodder, the big money free agent from a couple years ago, is not – panning out as well as they had hoped out there at the left tackle. Second round pick Will Hernandez struggled a little bit last year, but the interior offensive line of the Giants is weak as well. So I think that the Giants, I think they go out and they take Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle from Iowa. He's a versatile player. He can move in space. He had a phenomenal combine. Um, there is a lot of talk right now out there that the Giants and the Cardinals both love Tristan Wirfs. So I have the New York Giants taking Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle from Iowa, a day one starter, right tackle, who may be able to transition to left tackle, you know, later on. But as of right now, having Nate Sauter on the left side, Tristan Wirfs on the right side, I think Giants fans would be very happy to give, you know, a guy like Saquon Barkley and a guy like Daniel Jones the, uh, the room they need to operate a pretty efficient offense. We're just going to have a small, short commercial here, just like the draft. I just want to plug, I'm up against um, Muram, whatever he's called, in the worst Twitter account online. Um, it's almost neck and neck at 50-50. If you listen to this podcast and there's still time, give me a, a click. I want to beat uh, Hiram to get to the semifinals. Oh, you're going up against Hiram, huh? 
Hiram, that's it, sorry. Oh, One of our God. first guests on the show. Yeah, and he is beating me at the moment. I don't like losing. Okay, back on the clock. Washington Redskins. Yes, here we go. We're uh, The Ron Rivera Washington Redskins have dropped back to the number five pick, which I think is perfect for them. Um, you know, they have obviously their choice of a lot of good players still left on the board. You know, I just think that with Washington right now, you know, a lot of teams, we talk about the offensive tackles. We talk about their ability, you know, to be day one starters, you know, perennial pro bowlers, perennial all pros. So in this case, you know, we're doing this mock right now with Trent Williams as a member of the Washington Redskins, but not necessarily a member of the Washington Redskins. The only other answer they have is Morgan Moses over there at right tackle. Washington did bring in Cornelius Lucas from Chicago. He's predominantly a right tackle. So in this scenario, I think Washington, to protect Dwayne Haskins, to give Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, and the guys room to go, I have him taking Mekhi Becton, the offensive tackle out of Louisville. You could see Andrew Thomas. You could see uh, Jedrick Wills here, you know, if they do feel he's comfortable to play on the left side. But I just think that right now, Washington, a developing team, a lot of young assets could use a guy like Mekhi Becton, who has a very high ceiling. They don't run that that outside wide zone scheme. So Becton's able to just kind of put his hand in the dirt and, you know, be the mauler that he is. You know, he has a little bit of technical work that he needs to refine on, which is, you know, something that I think that he can get corrected. But yeah, I see Ron Rivera going with the next Trent William taking Mackay Becton, the offensive tackle from Louisville. On the clock, LA Chargers. Surely they're not going to go for another uh, O-line. Well, the Chargers are known to be linked to Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon. Um, I don't necessarily see top five, top six in Justin Herbert. I think he's a good development prospect. I think having a guy like Tyrod Taylor would be very good for Justin Herbert. I just, when I look at the needs on this team, I look at a team that had Russell Okung last year, as one of their offensive tackles and still finished one of the worst offensive tackles in the league. So they've went ahead and they've traded Russell Okun to the Panthers and gotten back, you know, the perennial guard. So right now the chargers are just depleted at offensive tackle. And you have a guy like Andrew Thomas sitting on the board and it's like, I don't see how the Chargers would take a flyer on Justin Herbert when you have a guy that could come in you know, like Andrew Thomas that could protect Tyrod Taylor. I mean, we saw in Cleveland what happens when you don't protect Tyrod Taylor. It gets ugly quick. So I have the Chargers doing a little bit of a shock, taking the third offensive tackle on the board. That's Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle from Georgia. All right, speeding things up. It's getting close to the Browns. We're now with the seventh pick, the Panthers. Yeah, the Carolina Panthers. Matt Rule, you know, comes in in his first year uh, from Baylor. You know, Marty Herney, the GM over there, has been making some changes. Um, you know, Carolina has just they've, – they've kind of pivoted now. They've, they're turning away from Cam Newton. They're saying, all right, we're going to let Teddy Bridgewater lead us the way. So – you know, when looking at the Carolina Panthers, I see some big needs on that defensive side of the ball. I think that they don't really have much when it comes to a cornerback. They don't have much at linebacker. You know, now that Luke Keekley is retiring, their safeties. I know they re-signed Trey Boston. They could use some help there. And I think that, you know, after losing James Bradbury, cornerback is a huge need for the Carolina Panthers. There's a guy sitting on the board, Jeffrey Okuda, the cornerback from Ohio State. 
He is a versatile type of player. He is pretty much built in a lab when it comes to, he's a little bigger than Denzel Ward, plays a little more, you know, as physical with a little bit more size. You know, I just think that, you know, what Matt Rule wants, he's not going to tolerate losing. He wants winners. He wants competitors. And the best cornerback in the draft is sitting at number seven. Jeffrey Akuda, the cornerback from Ohio State, going to Carolina to anchor the outside with the Carolina Panthers. Eighth pick, getting so close to the Browns, Cardinals. Yes, the Arizona Cardinals, who have just stockpiled the offensive talent now, bringing in new Hopkins. They have Larry Fitzgerald, who is just an ageless wonder. You know, they brought in Ken, they brought back Kenyon Drake on the franchise tag. You know, they have Christian Kirk, one of the better young slot receivers in the NFL. The problem they have is Kyler Murray got sacked more than any other quarterback in the league last year. He was running for his life unless he was playing the Cleveland Browns defense. Then, now I think in a perfect world, Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime would really want Tristan Wirfs to be there at the number eight pick. So I will say if Tristan Wirfs is probably the number one tackle on their board. The problem is, as you know, he's gone. He's on his way to New York, but there is a right tackle out there. The Chargers, or I'm sorry, the Cardinals brought back uh, DJ Humphrey to hold down the left side, but on that right side, there's a mauler, right tackle, Jedrick Wills from Alabama. This guy is just a physical presence. I think he gives the Arizona Cardinals the necessary physicality they're looking for on that offensive line. You know, they really need to kind of establish that run. They need to make sure that they're able to set up guys like Hopkins and Kirk and Fitzgerald and all these guys. So I think Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle from Alabama, is heading out to the sunny Glendale, Arizona to play for the Arizona Cardinals. One pick away from the Browns, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Isaiah Simmons still on the board. All the main offensive tackles have gone. What are the Browns going to do? Let's go with the pick. Well, here's the Jacksonville Jaguars who have just kind of makeshift their defense right in the middle of the, you know, the offseason. They sent Calais Campbell to the Ravens. You know, Miles Jack's been a little bit injured lately. They got rid of Jalen Ramsey last year. The Jags defense is just struggling for the champ, uh, from the team that they had back in the AFC Championship game. Now, there is a very enticing option in Derrick Brown on the board. However, I don't see Derrick Brown as being – you know, kind of that pass rushing, just savant type that you would need to take him top 10, especially with a guy like Isaiah Simmons sitting on the board. You know, I think the Jags are a little bit weak in cornerback. I think they're weak in safety. You know, they're definitely in D tackle. But the chess piece that is Isaiah Simmons is on his way to Jacksonville. I have the safety, Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars with the number nine pick. You know, if they're able to work things out with Yannick Ngakwe, this could be a good compliment on the upside. As we know, Simmons is a three-tool player. He can rush the passer, he can cover, and he can play against the run. You know, he's just kind of a chess piece, I think, that any different any defensive coordinator would want. Todd Walsh, very happy man, adding Simmons to this defense and the Jags do have the luxury of having a second first-round pick a little bit later, which could uh, be an interesting um, interesting piece to add. Yeah, number nine, Isaiah Simmons, safety, linebacker from Clemson. And coming onto the board right now is the Cleveland Browns. Paul, is your, is your phone ringing? I think, I think John Elway's calling. Oh, oh my God, there's a trade. It is John Elway. What's that, John? You want the number 10 pick in the draft? Wow. Andrew Barry, 
gladly accepts that call. I think Andrew Barry gladly accepts the offer. As we know, the Denver Broncos have multiple third-round picks, three to be exact. They also have a fourth-round pick. The Denver Broncos are going to offer the Cleveland Browns a third-round pick and a fourth-round pick to move up from 15 to 10. So at number 10, I see the Denver Broncos taking wide receiver Jerry Judy from Alabama. As we know, Denver needs a sec receiver to Cortland Sutton. It's been widely rumored that they need somebody to go on that other side to stretch that defense. Our good friend Ben Albright has talked about it. The Broncos want a fast wide receiver. I'm not even sure if they sat at 15 that a guy like Henry Ruggs would make it to him. So they got to make an at, they got to make some some magic happen. Elway calls up Andrew Barry, makes the pick. The Jet are the uh, the Jets, the Raiders, the Niners. These are all wide receiver needy teams. Broncos make the move. They Judy, this guy won the bullet. About speed, the guy ran a 4 4 6 in Indy, and every time you turn on the tape, Jerry Judy's behind defenders. This guy is a phenomenal receiver. I just think he would be perfect next to Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton in Denver. Jerry Judy, number 10 overall of the Broncos with the trade from the Cleveland Browns. The Jets are on the board. Yeah, we talked about this with Connor uh, earlier this week when it comes to the Jets. And obviously the Jets are in the market for the offensive tackles, same as the Browns. However, as we know, in this scenario, all four of those offensive tackles are off the board. So the Jets look to their next biggest need, and that is the wide receiver room. Sam Darnold struggled against, you know, getting some weapons. And to make matters worse, they lost Robbie Anderson in free agency. So as of right now, the Jets pretty much have Brashad Perriman, former Browns receiver, as their lone target. They may miss out on Jerry Judy, but there's a guy sitting there who I call the yak monster. That's CeeDee Lamb, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. Uh, I think that Joe Douglas and the Jets are very happy to get CD. This guy can just make plays. I mean, if we go back and watch this film, pretty much anytime this guy gets the ball in his hands, he's a danger to score. So with the number 11 pick in the 2020 virtual mock draft, Paul Brown podcast, the New York Jets take CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver from Oklahoma. Home territory, Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas fans, let's hear you for your Raiders. Oh, the Demarius Randalls of the West now. Shout out to our boy Demarius. You know, we're going to have to definitely come out and see you in, uh, in Vegas. But yeah, Mike Mayock and John Gruden are going to be really kind of transitioning this team. We have a new location. You know, there's a lot of question marks out there with Derek Carr. Um, you know, in this case, though, their defense needs a lot of work. And, you know, with those two top wide receivers being off the board, I think Mike Mayock's going to go to a top 10 talent who, you know, didn't necessarily have the best combine, but I still think will be a very good player. Um, you know, the Jags passed on him at nine, but I think the slide for Derek Brown ends here in Las Vegas. I think Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn, will be going number 12 to the Raiders. I know they brought in Malik Collins. I know they brought in Corey Littleton to kind of remake that defense. So I think adding Derek Brown really gives them a dynamic front seven, especially competing in the division they're going to compete in with the Kansas City Chiefs, with the Chargers. You know, these are teams, you know, that generally put up good offensive numbers. So you got to be able to control the line of scrimmage. I think a guy like Derek Brown does a very good job at that. Number 12 to the Raiders, Derek Brown. With the 13th pick, we've got San Fran 49ers. Yeah, the Niners, they made a big trade, sending DeForest Buckner to the Colts, picking up that number 13 pick. Um, so the, the Niners 
has this unique, very uh, offense, and it comes to everything looking the same. We all know that Jimmy Grapes really relies on that play action. Well, there's a wide receiver sitting on the board, the third one out of this grouping, a guy by the name of Henry Ruggs the third runs a 428 at the combine. This guy can absolutely fly. Now, currently San Francisco has a receiver, Marquise Goodwin, who is also an Olympic track athlete. I don't know if he's long for there, has a little trop, a uh, little problem sometimes catching the actual ball, but Henry Ruggs does not, as we've seen from Tua and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Once Ruggs get the ball in his hands, this dude can straight up fly. So I think that Kyle Shanahan would be very happy to welcome in Henry Ruggs, the third wide receiver from Alabama. The only question is, is as we saw in the Super Bowl, can Jimmy Grapes get that ball out there that far? Because Ruggs can definitely get down the field in a hurry. Hang on, guys. We have another trade coming in. Don't get too confused. The Jaguars are back on the board. Yes, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers originally have this pick, but the Jaguars sitting from number 20 now move up. You know, Jacksonville, like we said a few minutes ago, is remaking a defense, and there's a guy sitting on the board. You know, they need a corner. They need a defensive tackle. They need an offensive tackle. Well, there is a guy on the board who is an athletic freak. He is a defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Yes, I'm talking about Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw, you know, a lot of talk right now is whether or not Tampa Bay will be moving up to get some protection for Tom Brady because they've struggled, you know, with their bookend tackles in Tampa. However, now that those guys are off the board, Tampa looks at it and says, you know what, let's just move back. The Jags have an extra first round pick. So they're going to come up. They're going to take Javon Kinlaw. He gets to stay in the South, gives the Jags the detail, the defensive tackle. They were possibly looking at Derek Brown. So I think Jags would be very happy to come away with Isaiah Simmons and Javon Kinlaw, you know, like we said a few minutes ago, the Jags really need to get back to that AFC championship defense and adding these two guys really is going to be, you know, a great step in getting them there. We know who's up on the clock now. Yes. Compliments of the Denver Broncos. Andrew Barry has dropped back five spots and is sitting now at number 15 overall. You know, our Browns, they have a lot of needs. I mean, if we're being honest, they need an offensive tackle. They need a linebacker. They really kind of need a free safety. They brought in Adrian Claiborne, but, you know, let's be honest, you can never have enough pass rushers. And there's a lot of talent still on the board here at this number 15 pick. One of these guys is Josh Jones, the offensive tackle from Houston. This is a guy who's a fifth-year player. He's a seasoned guy. He's had multiple different offensive line coaches, but he really did an impressive job down at the Senior Bowl. I just think he's a guy that Baker Mayfield would have a lot of confidence in protecting his blind side. And the nice part with Kevin Stavansky's offense is he does utilize, utilize a lot of two tight end sets. So bringing in Jack Conklin has solidified the right side of the line. And now you're going to bring in Josh Jones, who you can give a little help to over there on the left side. You know, whether it's lining Austin Hooper up or Steven Carlson, you know, it's one of those ones where you don't have to kind of put him in an island and, you know, let him cut his seat that way. You have Bill Callahan, one of the top offensive line coaches in the NFL. Josh Jones from Houston on his way to Cleveland. He's going to be replacing Greg Robinson. The Browns take offensive tackle Josh Jones from Houston. Awesome. Was there anyone else that you maybe have uh, penciled in there? Or was that a quite easy pick for you? I think it was a kind of an easy pick at that point there. Um, the thing with Josh Jones is I think he's just a really versatile guy. I like his size. I like his quickness. 
you know, I think when it's coming to the Browns, I really don't think we're talking about all of these offensive linemen. I think a guy like Werfs, Thomas, those are probably the top two. I don't see Becton or Wills really kind of being on the board for the Browns. Wills is kind of that, that mauler right tackle. We don't really need that. And trying to switch him over to the left side could be difficult. This guy's never played left tackle. Also, you know, I, I forget who mentioned it, but they talked about Mekhi Becton and the amount of running that Kevin Stefanski is going to have these guys doing. 360 pounds. I know he can run straight fast for 40 yards, but you know, an entire game. I just, I just don't see Becton or Wills being the two guys. So I think Werfs and um, Thomas are the two guys to look at, but I think third is Josh Jones and that's who I have the Browns taking. Excellent. On the board, the Falcons. Yeah. Coming in at number 16, the Atlanta Falcons, you know, former Browns executive Thomas Dimitrov, has done an interesting job in Atlanta kind of rebounding after their Super Bowl loss. You know, they have, a, they have a pretty big need now at edge. They have a big need at cornerback now that Desmond Trufant has taken off. He's left. Um, they lost Austin Hooper. You know, they've, they've just they lost Vic Beasley. I mean, the Falcons, unfortunately, are in salary cap hell. But there is a cornerback that is sitting there from LSU, Christian Fulton. You know, I really like Christian Fulton. You know, he's, he's kind of a a bigger guy that I'm trying to think of the best way to put him at the Falcons are one of the worst pass defenses in the league. And Dan Quinn likes his guys to mix it up a little bit of man on man. And Fulton in 2018 played a different scheme than he did in 2019. He was asked to do a lot more man to man in 2019. Um, he's got good footwork, which is shocking um, for somebody like that. It just normally you find the bigger guys, don't have that kind of footwork. He does have great footwork, which is good. The only thing he's got to get a little bit of stronger. Um, you saw a few times he can get he can get bullied at the line of scrimmage. But for the most part, I think Christian Fulton is probably my number two ranked cornerback. Um, so I see him going to the Atlanta Falcons to fill that void left by Desmond Trufant. Next, we are them boys, Dallas Cowboys. America's second favorite team outside of the Cleveland Browns, the Dallas Cowboys, are on the clock. You know, they've lost Byron Jones in free agency. You know, they've got a decent secretary with Chidobia Woozy and Jordan Lewis. There's a guy on the board that I like. You know, we're going to have a little bit of a run of cornerbacks here. C.J. Henderson, the cornerback from Florida. You know, the Cowboys need a corner. They need somebody off the edge. They likely are going to need another receiver to complement Amari Cooper. They're going to have to do it cheap. So look for them to add those guys maybe a little later in the draft due to the depth. Um, but yeah, I do like six. I do like the six foot one athlete that likes to get in there and mix it up. CJ Henderson, this guy earlier in his college career, you basically couldn't complete a pass against, you know, Florida has had a little bit of struggles lately, but yeah, CJ Henderson, the cornerback from the Dallas. Now the Redskins are on the clock. Yeah. As part of that trade to get Miami up to take Tua, you know, they're going to have to give up that number 18 pick. And I think that's one of the reasons that Ron Rivera, would entertain this trade is because look at the bevy of talent that is sitting on the board at number 18. I mean, he's got his choice between corners, safeties, wideouts. You know, he's got all these guys in the secondary that could just instantly come in and contribute. You know, they brought in Kendall Fuller, the slot corner who was there before and now is back. You know, it's just one of those things where there's so much talent on the board at 18. I think that's why that trade really kind of, you know, pays off for them. I know they brought in Ronald Darby, but he had probably one of his worst years last year, you know, when he was playing for the Eagles. But there's a guy on the board I really like, 
They need a compliment to Terry McLaurin. We're pivoting from the defense. We're going to the offense. Wide receiver T. Higgins from Clemson. He's 6'4". This guy just catches everything at the point. I mean, he has phenomenal ball skills. You know, he, he is just an all-around complete receiver. I know people are going to out there and say, well, he didn't have the greatest combine in the world. That's fine. But if you turn on Clemson tape, I don't think you're going to have any problems with T. Higgins. You know, Dwayne Haskins now has a left tackle in Mekhi Becton that's going to be able to keep him upright. They've got good running backs in Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson. They've got the number one rated rookie wide receiver in Terry McLaurin. Now you're giving T. Higgins on the other side. I think he's a perfect compliment to Terry McLaurin. And I think that Ron Rivera would be very happy to add a guy like T. Higgins to the mix in Washington with the number 18 pick. Thankful th- uh, compliments of the Miami Dolphins. On the clock is the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, this is the part of the Khalil Mack trade. So the Bears obviously gave up their 2020 first round pick to the Raiders. Um, and like we've said before, the Raiders are going to need an influx of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, there's a guy from Alabama sitting out there, Trevon Diggs. I like this guy. I think, like I said earlier in the uh, podcast, the depth at cornerback is quite large. So Diggs is one of those guys that he's got speed and he's got ball skills. So Mike Mayock loves these just these competitor guys. My, I mean, for all the years that we listen to Mike Mayock talk on the NFL draft. So Nick Saban is a guy that just asked Trevon Diggs to do a lot of different things. So with the speed, with the ball skills, being in the same division as Patrick Mahomes, I just see the, the Raiders going with that solid corner, Trevon Diggs. This is a guy I think that can start, you know, alongside Gary and Conley and just really kind of perform quite well for the Las Vegas Raiders. Now another trade, Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Bucks were originally in that 14 slot. And I apologize, I just remembered Gary and Conley's not even with the Raiders anymore. So they even more need Trevon Diggs. So yes, put Trevon Diggs in the Raiders in the black and uh, black and silver and get going. But yeah, the Tampa Bay dropped back from that 14 pick. This was originally the Jacksonville pick. Um, so Tampa Bay is in a position now. They bring in Tom Brady. They have to win now. You know, Tom Brady is in his 40s. You've got him on a two-year deal. You're giving him, I think, $50 million. So Tampa Bay defensively was 29th in the league in points allowed. And one of the reasons for that is their safeties were getting beat like a drum. I think they need to do a better job of keeping the scoreboard a little bit more controlled. There's a guy out there with phenomenal ball skills. That's Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama, you know, Tampa's just going to have to adapt. You know, last year they just wanted to run it and gun it with Jameis. Well, now you have, you have Brady who doesn't have the ability like Jameis does to put the ball downfield at 15, 20, 25 yards in attempt. It's going to be a much more Bruce Arians controlled offense, which means defensively you're going to have to be able to control. You cannot let them just score every single time left and right. So I see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers dropping back, taking Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama. With the 21st pick, the Eagles are on the clock. Yeah, the Eagles last year had one of the most woeful pass secondaries in the league. You know, it was one of the kind of Achilles heel where, you know, it kind of took them down. But in the same sense, they also didn't have guys on the outside that could help out um, Carson Wentz. So there's a guy sitting on the board that I really like. He didn't have, you know, when you, he doesn't have like that just flash ability, but it just seems like every time you watch LSU, Justin Jefferson is wide open. 
you know, people said, oh, he's not that fast. Then he goes out and runs a 4-4-3. The guy is sure-handed. He's a heady receiver. You know, the Eagles still do have Deshaun Jackson. So I think bringing in a guy like Justin Jefferson, who is just perfect at getting open, gives Carson Wentz really the help he needs. Um, you know, Joe Burrow had no problem finding Justin Jefferson down at LSU. I think Justin Jefferson will be a great addition to the Philadelphia Fly Eagles Fly. 22nd pick, the Vikings from Buffalo. Yeah, so part of the Stefan Diggs trade was that the Buffalo Bills will be giving up their first-round pick. The Vikings now sit with two out of the next four picks, sandwiched in between with the Patriots and the uh, Saints. But there's a guy in the corner, A.J. Terrell, the cornerback from Clemson. Well, they've, Minnesota has got rid of Xavier Road, so the road is now open. And you have two stud safeties in Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, but you have nobody on the outside. Trey Waynes is gone. Mackenzie Alexander is gone. And Xavier Rhodes is gone. So Minnesota is going to have to take a corner with one of these two picks. I see them taking the versatile guy from Clemson, A.J. Terrell. He's 6'1", but he actually almost plays like a little bit more of a smaller guy. And, you know, he has a little bit of frame that he could add on to. Zimmer, you know, even when he was defensive coordinator with the Bengals, always liked these physical guys. And I just think A.J. Terrell has the size, has the speed that Mike Zimmer wants. I see A.J. Terrell, the cornerback from Clemson, heading up to compete in the NFC North with the Skull Vikings. It's the big team up, the New England Patriots. Without Tom Brady, who are they going to pick? Yeah, I think this is the first time since probably I was in high school that uh, the Patriots have a little bit of a quarterback competition. You know, currently they only got Jared Stidham on the, uh, on the roster. Obviously there are some free agents out there. If Bill Belichick decides to dabble with one of those guys, but the Tom Brady era is now over in new England and Bill Belichick, he's always wanted to add an element to his offensive mobility. And I think that Brady, who was probably as fast as I was, didn't have that. You know, Belichick has seen how difficult it is to scheme against guys like Lamar Jackson, guys like Deshaun Watson, guys like Patrick Mahomes. So there's a guy out there, a quarterback from Utah State, Jordan Love, who I just think has tremendous upside. He is not your day one top 10 quarterback that's going to start. However, I think once Bill Belichick gets his hands on this kid and starts molding him into the player that, we, that I think he can be, I think this guy's going to just vault up the boards, much like Mahomes did uh, in Kansas City. I'm not going to say he's going to win the Super Bowl and MVP in his first couple of years, but Jordan Love is just, he's a very mobile guy, tremendous arm, tremendous talent. And I think that the New England Patriots getting their biggest need at 23 with Jordan Love is, is going to just be fantastic for Bill. I don't even know if I have the words to describe it, but I think Bill Belichick would be very happy getting a guy with Jordan Love's upside at pick 23. Pick 24 was Aaron Rodgers. So uh, is he the next Aaron Rodgers, you think? They, you know, it's, they have similar arms. I mean, Rodgers has a cannon. Love has a cannon. They both are able to move around while they're not necessarily running quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson is. You know, it's not a crazy comparison, obviously, saying somebody is as good as Aaron Rodgers, who is probably, you know, one of the top 10 quarterbacks that I can think of watching. Um, it's a poor man's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's definitely a lot of upside with Jordan Love, and I think getting him into the building in New England with the consistency that they have would really, really, really benefit him. 
Next up are the Saints. Yeah, the Saints. So they're obviously doing a little bit of a pivot shift in their secondary. You know, their cornerbacks, their safeties. Uh, you know, they could even use a linebacker. The Drew, Brees day, the Drew Brees days, they're they're nearing the end. So, you know, you do have Justin Herbert still on the board. You know, they're going to pan to him every few minutes, his Zoom screen. They're going to show the virtual following, falling of Justin Herbert. It's going to continue. You know, I think that now with Von Bell out the door, the Saints did bring back Malcolm Jenkins on a two-year deal. There's a guy out there who a lot of people are comparing me Chin, the safety out of Southern Illinois. I think this guy has endless raw talent. And I think allowing him to develop and learn from a guy like Malcolm Jenkins would give the Saints their safety of the future. You know, I, Chin has really dominated the off-season workouts before they got cut short. You know, this is just a guy who I think has first-round talent, tremendous upside. You know, it just, it's too much of a perfect fit to have Malcolm Jenkins, in essence, tutoring the guy who's most closely compared to him. He can play a little coverage. He can play in the box. He can play free. You know, Malcolm Jenkins was kind of a Swiss Army knife for the Eagles for a number of years. Now he's back in New Orleans. And with a guy like Jeremy Chin, I think that that is a very smart move for Sean Payton and, um, and the boy down there in the bayous to make because, you know, Jeremy Chin is a fantastic player. I think he's going to go ahead of Grant Delpit, who a lot of people are high on. I think he's going to go ahead of um, a few of the other safeties. I have the top three safeties as being Isaiah Simmons, Xavier McKinney, and Jeremy Chin. And next on the board is the Vikings. They're back again. Yeah, the Vikings, like I said, they have two of picks out of, their, out of the four. Um, you know, they obviously filled the need at cornerback uh, with their last pick, and that leaves them now with a big hole to fill. Missing Stephon Diggs, who wanted out. You know, Kirk Cousins is going to really look for, a, you know, kind of a running mate with Adam Thielen. I think there's a guy on the board that, you know, I've heard several people kind of say NFL execs do not want this guy in their division. And that's Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver from Arizona State. This kid can run. He's electric. He's a playmaker. I think that, you know, it's tough sometimes taking somebody from the Big 12 and transit, you know, translating to what they're going to do in the NFL. I just really like what I see out of Brandon Ayuk. A lot of people have him going in the second round. I don't. I think a, a spot like Minnesota is perfect for him. You know, they have that, you know, that, that kind of wide zone play action, Gary Kubiak offense, just like in San Francisco having Henry Ruggs. I think Brandon Ayuk is a perfect type of fit for, you know, the, the guys up there in Minnesota. Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver from Arizona State, is heading up to Minnesota. Dolphins back on the board with yeah. the trade from Houston. Yeah, so the Dolphins had sent Laramie Tunseil to the Texans for a Bill O'Brien flogging. Um, so here the Dolphins are sitting back on the board at 26. I still don't think they would have to give this pick up to move from five to two. If you kind of look at the value chart, even paying a premium, you know, they may look at giving up at most a third or a fourth. Um, so I'm going to keep the Dolphins on the board here at 26. Like I said, they traded away Laramie Tunsil. They're going to have to protect Tua Tagliavola. I think there'll be a little irony. The pick that they trade, they got from trading Laramie Tunsil, they go out and get Austin Jackson, the offensive tackle from USC. Um, I think that after Josh Jones, he's the guy with the most upside. 
Um, I just see Austin Jackson being a guy that can kind of come in, give the offense. He may not necessarily be, you know, a day one starter, but I think this guy has a lot of the tools you're looking for where he can develop into the left tackle, you know, that's going to be able to keep Tua, you know, who's even, if you think about it, his blind side, he's actually a lefty. So his blind side um, is going to be the opposite. So, you know, you do have a little bit of versatility with Austin Jackson. Um, he's the pick for the Miami Dolphins at number 26. With the 27th pick, we've got the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I think the Seattle Seahawks will be making a trade with the Green Bay Packers. You know, right now the Packers lost Blake Martinez. They need a running mate for um, Devontae Adams. So there's a guy sitting on the board. Didn't have the greatest 40 time at the combine, but I really like this guy. And I think the Green Bay Packers will be moving up front with Seattle. Um, I think they're going to be taking a guy out of TCU at wide receiver, Jalen Rager. You know, now that I've had all this free time, I was like, all right, I got to see what the hype is on this kid. So I started watching some TCU games. And the problem you run into with Rager is with a little bit more consistent play, this guy would have been setting records in the Big 12. I mean, this guy, when he gets the ball in his hands, can do a lot of things with it, whether it's on the punt return whether it's on, you know, kick uh, in the special teams games, whether it's as a wide receiver. You know, I just look at Jalen Rager as being a piece that would really help the Green Bay Packers, giving Aaron Rodgers really another weapon that he can use. Um, Jalen Rager, to me, perfect spot here with the, the Green Bay Packers. It's just, it's one of those things that helps him on special teams, helps him on offense, gives him a playmaker. And, you know, they want to make sure they get up. The Ravens need a wide out. The Titans don't necessarily, but they can always use a wide out. So I see them jumping ahead of the Ravens to get the wide receiver they want. Jalen Rager, wide receiver from TCU. Next on the clock is the Sky Rats, the Ravens. Yeah, the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, you, you look at that organization, and it's just incredible what they're able to do. You know, they're able to just come out top-ranked offense in the league, one of the top five special teams in the league, top 15 defense. It's no doubt, no wonder why they had such a successful 2019 year. You know, the biggest loss they have is losing out on Marshall Yanda, you know, the, uh, the all pro guard, but they go out, they bring in Derek Wolf, they bring in Calais Campbell. They, they don't have as many holes, you know, as one would think. I mean, a lot of these other teams, we look around the board and we say, okay, there's a glaring weakness here. There's a glaring weakness there. So the Baltimore Ravens, they need linebackers. They could always use another running back. You're not going to take one here. I guess maybe DeAndre, or DeAndre Swift could be an option. Um, you could look at a guy like Caleb on Chasen here. Um, he would provide a little bit of outside linebacker help for the Ravens. But the guy I have pegged, and I don't know if this hurts me to say it, but when I look at this guy, I just see Baltimore Ravens defender. And that is Yeter Gross Matos, the edge from Penn State. This guy is six foot five, ranges from 240 to 260, is just a specimen. The one nice thing about the Ravens is none of these guys need to step right in and start day one. And I think when you look at a Don Martindale defense, I think you look at a guy like Gross Matos that can come in, that can develop, that can learn. You know, this guy just to me says Baltimore Ravens defense. He was a little inconsistent at Penn State, but I think giving him a veteran coaching staff like the Baltimore Ravens could really kind of just help this guy's career. I think it would be a great landing spot for him. So I got the Baltimore Ravens taking defensive end Yeter Gross Matos from Penn State. Next up on the board, the Titans. 
Yeah, the Tennessee Titans, kind of, you know, the Cinderella story of the NFL last year, coming in, ending the Tom Brady era, won a pick six, ending the Lamar Jackson campaign for a championship. But they did go out and lose Logan Ryan. Uh, Mike Vrabel really likes guys that, you know, just are give a damn, as I call them. You know, in the few times I've had to meet Mike Vrabel, he's always just been a very serious, focused guy. And there's a cornerback out of Utah, Jalen Johnson. I like this kid. I think, you know, he's a relentless guy. He has a little bit of technique issue. However, I think a guy like Vrabel could clean that up. You know, they did lose Kerry Combs, the defensive back coach, back to Ohio State. But, you know, I think that right now they need an edge. They need a cornerback and a tackle. So that just tells me that they're going to look to fill that hole left by Logan Ryan. Jalen Johnson, the cornerback out of Utah, is heading down to the Music City and will be playing for the Tennessee Titans. Next up, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, so like I said, the Green Bay Packers jumped up ahead of the Ravens to get the wide receiver they want, and that works out well for the Seattle Seahawks. They really need to shore up that offensive line. I feel like every year we say this, every year they take a guy late in the draft, and it just doesn't really work out all that well. They brought in Dwayne Brown, you know, to try to help that out. He's got some injury concerns, but there's a guy on the board. He's kind of a draft Twitter sensation, and not just because he has the coolest name of all draft picks. That's offensive tackle Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. You know, I just think Seattle really has to do a good job protecting Russ, letting him with, you know, he, Russ has all this mobility, so they got to let him be Russ a little bit, but you got to have guys that can kind of match that. You can't have big lumbering offensive linemen. Cleveland, to me, had ages. He has the athleticism they need. I think he'd be a great fit in Seattle. Um, this guy is physical. He's athletic. I think he could come in and he could be starting for that Seattle Seahawks in the first year that he's in Seattle. My brother's name, Ezra, and the team I support, Cleveland. Okay. The last round match made in heaven. Can you see the Browns taking Ezra Cleveland? I know that they like him. I think he's a name that's definitely on their board. The problem I wouldn't probably, unless they drop back, really from 10 into the 20s. I don't see him being that much of an option for them. Um, I just think that 15, top 15 is a little too high for him. I like him. If he falls into that second round, maybe they can move up from 41 and maybe snag him early in that second round. But yeah, he's, he's kind of in that void right now where he's not good enough to be top 15, but he's not bad enough to be at 41. So that's, you know, Andrew Berry's going to have to make some decisions on that one. Next on the clock, the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, I think what's going to happen here is the screen's going to flash trade and everybody and their mother is going to know what's going on because for the longest time, people were linking the Los Angeles Chargers to quarterback Justin Herbert from Oregon. You know, I just don't see it happening at top six. However, the Chargers do have a little bit of ammo to come up. The Justin Herbert slide is over with the 31st pick. They trade, they come up, they're going to take Justin Herbert. Now, now you have Andrew Thomas to protect him, and now you've got Justin Herbert to make sure that you can kind of develop him under Tyrod Taylor, you know, whether that's four, six games, however many it is, you know, that's going to depend on his development. I think Herbert's a good prospect. I just don't see him as a top 10 pick. And the problem is, is come New England, you know, there's not really too many quarterback needy teams. So I think that the Chargers are going to move up 
ideally they'd like to maybe move up to 32, but there's no way the Chiefs are going to trade with them being in division. So I think that the Los Angeles Chargers are going to deal with the San Francisco 49ers, come up to pick 31, and take Justin Herbert, the quarterback, out of Oregon. Last and not least, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs right now are in cap hell. Um, I think that ultimately Kansas City is going to look to trade this pick. They've only got five picks this year in the draft. So they're going to have to start cycling him in, cycling in some younger talent. Um, but if they do end up keeping this pick, there's a linebacker from Wisconsin, Zach Bond, who I really think would love, you know, would be a great fit in Kansas City. This guy, you know, a lot of the Big Ten teams would talk about how he was a very tough guy to game plan around. He's an athletic guy. You know, you've ultimately got, you know, some linebackers in Kansas City that they're going to have to replace. So you look at a guy like Zach Bond, he's going to get out there, and I think he could end up being the final pick of the first round by the Kansas City Chiefs. Zach Bond, the linebacker from Wisconsin. So some interesting things I've uh, noticed. And thanks a lot for that, Ian. That was uh, amazing that you went to a lot of detail and a lot of effort to get all that uh, information. Well, time is a, you know, we got plenty of time on our hands now, so. Um, some things I've noticed, a lot of wide receivers being taken. Yeah, one of the things that we talk about is kind of the wide receiver depth in this draft. So what I think is going to happen is, is there's teams that know they need wideouts. And while there's a lot of day two, day three talent out there, I still think guys are going to have marked, or teams I should say, are going to have guys marked that they want, you know, whether it's a Jalen Rager, you know, who I just think is a playmaker. If you kind of rely on that guy to fall into the second round, I know, you know, he didn't run what everybody kind of thought he would at the combine, but you look at this guy. And I mean, with all of this, you know, things going on in the world and the virtual, this and all that stuff, you just turn on the tape and look, and this guy is just an electric player. So at the end of the day, Seven wide receivers going. I think there's a consensus that the top three guys, Jerry, Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs, are all kind of the top three. There are some guys, Denzel Mims, you know, some other wide receivers that you know, potentially could fall into the back of the first round. You have LaVisca Chenault. The problem with him is you have a little bit of an injury bug with him. Um, so you do have some extremely talented wide receivers. You know, then you start getting into that second tier with guys like Michael Pittman, Tyler Johnson, KJ Hill, KJ Hamler. You know, you're going to start finding these wide receivers, but there's going to be a void. You're going to have that initial run. Then it's going to kind of shift to maybe the more meat and potatoes positions, those guards, those centers, you know, the D tackles. You're going to see guys like Cesar Ruiz. You're going to see Patrick Queen. You know, there's a lot of guys. I, I don't even have Caleb on chasing going in the first round. I think this guy's a good athlete. I just think that it's tough really finding a fit. Curtis Weaver from Boise State. There's going to be a lot of talent sitting there at the end of the first round. But it's ultimately, I think these guys, these teams are going to mock or are going to select the kind of wide receivers they want. And I think they're going to go and get them. Another good thing I've noticed is the uh, AFC North. Obviously, the Bengals take the first pick. The Browns have got a real nice key pick mid. And then the Ravens, obviously no Steelers, so the Ravens have a late pick. So uh, we have got quite a lot of ownership on the AFC in this draft. Yeah, I think that the one thing that 
the Ravens and the Steelers have been doing for years. And one of the reasons that they get the competitive advantage over, you know, teams like the Browns and the Bengals is they sit back, they let the board fall to them and they take guys. Last year was really kind of the exception with the Steelers jumping up to get Devin Bush, the linebacker from Michigan. But, you know, ultimately they didn't even give up a first round pick, if I'm not mistaken, because the pick that they lost this year was the pick for um, Minka Fitzpatrick. So they traded a first to get Minka Fitzpatrick on this one. So, yeah, they're going to be sitting waiting all the way to pick 49 before the Steelers are able to take somebody this year. Oh, excellent. Anything else you want to add in? Yeah, there's, you know, mock drafts, I will say, we, you know, there's a lot of them out there, and obviously people have opinions on a lot of them. You know, I'd be curious to see, please, by all means, you know, we're going to put the link up to the, uh, the file that we're using that I kind of did so you can scan through it quickly, see where I got guys going. You know, we'd love to hear your comments. Please interact with us. You know, I'm sure that there's going to be people out there who are going to say, no way in hell is that person going here. Like I said, mock drafts are fun. You know, it's really kind of watching the entire NFL. You know, one of the things that we as Browns fans like to do is kind of think that we're in a bubble. But, you know, a lot of times we have to look at the teams ahead of us, the teams behind us, you know, so – if there's an offensive tackle on the board at nine, does the Jets jump us? You know, we've got the Jets, the Niners, the, Ra- uh, the Raiders right behind us. So you have a team like Denver that could want to jump up and get their guys. There's so much that could happen. You know, I ended up only going with, I think, five trades in the first, you know, round. But given the lack of, you know, 30 visits this year for each team, we could see some things a little different this year. You know, it's, but it's a fun thing to do, you know. Like I said, give your comments at Ian19 on Twitter. Would love to hear, you know, what you guys think. You know, I appreciate Commissioner Paul Brown kind of administering, you know, the first, the mock draft 1.0 for the Paul Brown podcast. Um, so if you have any questions or kind of maybe some reasoning into why I went with the guys I did, you know, let us know. You know, we, we, we'll interact as much as we can. We got plenty of time on our hands. Excellent. Like Ian said, we've got two weeks and a bit until the next uh, NFL draft. I'm really super excited about it. I definitely can stay up all night this year because there'll be no work the next day. So, uh, but yeah, Ian, thanks a lot for your time. And, uh, yeah, guys, really important feedback. If you agree or disagree, doesn't matter. Let us know. I'm really interested to know your feedback. Go Browns. Go Browns. <laughs>